Welcome to another great episode of the On The Radar Podcast. Uh, This is the podcast that features musicians and artists coming to, through, and from the Northwest Ohio region. My name is Peapod. My producer on this episode is Pat Sheckert of the band Ghost Native. We're also in his studios at Underhill Recordings. Thank you so much for joining us on another great episode. First off, thank you so much for everybody who's been listening in and had been uh, following the podcast. And uh, I got some very good reviews and got very good feedback on our first episode with Pat. Um, he, he's our secondary studio that we're going to be working with, uh, and, uh, hopefully get these, these episodes more on a regular basis, at least once a month. So we we got some, a lot of cool things. Also shout out to every single person so far that has bought a use your words pin. I announced the last episode, uh, that I was forming a, a, a enamel pin of my face and they've actually gone over kind of well, more, uh, more well than I was expecting, which is always good. It's always, it always scares me a little bit when you put something out there in kind of a project and see how people respond. Um, but like I said, uh, you can help support this podcast by purchasing a pin. There's links, uh, on my Peapod on the radio, Facebook page. There's, there's links at the, on the radar Facebook page. I'll give you those links later in the show. Um, they are on sale for 10 bucks. Um, if you buy them online, they're $7 with $3 shipping. So $10, if you buy it in person, it's $10. So either way, um, you help support this podcast and also you help building a fund, uh, that will be donated back, um, to, uh, the Northwest Ohio arts. Um, whether that is for like local schools, whether it's somebody trying to get instruments, Somehow, I, I still would love to get some feedback on where to take the, this money that we are building uh, and donate it to something uh, in the area that will help, um, you know, help with the arts and have uh, the maximum use out of it. My guest at this time, I have two out of the three members of the band Dream Repair. They're a new group on the scene, uh, and I'm very, they are very enjoyable guys. And uh, take a moment and introduce yourselves and tell us what you do in the band. Uh, thank you, Mister Mister Peapod. Yes, Mister uh, Pod. Mister Pod. That's, that's your dad. That's uh, a, that is my dad. Yeah, that's what, I made that joke before. I have Mister Pod's my dad. Uh, my name is Andy Moore. I am the I am one of the vocalists and bass player for Dream Repair, and I am honored to be here. Steve Davis, Stephen Davis, uh, play drums for Dream Repair. He's Very also be here. He, he's the talent. Ca- so. caffeinated as yeah. as always. Yeah, we made sure we made sure this time around that we do these early. It's a it's a dreary Sunday morning in November, the day of this recording, and uh, it it's cold, it's rainy, it's shitty outside. We need coffee. It's ten something in the morning. We all need a coffee. So shout out to Tim Hortons. They're not an official sponsor yet. Um, uh, for the coffee and donuts. Hey, man, I gotta, I gotta get more, make more money somehow. It's like we all got <laughs> coffees in our hand, and there's two spare ones. Just, I'm gonna just I'm, on reserve. I'm gonna poop so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's only been five minutes. We already got a poop joke. Hell yeah! <laughs> all right. 
It's that kind of podcast. Well, thank you so much for, for, for doing this. It's really fun. And I always like interviewing uh, bands that I always find not only interesting, but who, who are willing to talk about their music. And you guys are just about uh, soon to be releasing your very, de- your very first debut album, Hashtag Big Dreams. Um, and is it call? Are you calling it hashtag Big Dreams, or are you just gonna call it Big Dreams? I uh, I'm definitely just calling it Big Dreams. Okay. Uh, when we were talking about naming the album, there was a lot of back and forth, obviously about the title. And uh, at one point, we wanted to call it Back in Ohio because it's one of the names of the other songs. Uh, but for me, I think we finally settled on Big Dreams because thematically, you know, it's been a long time coming for the group, mm-hmm. not only with the current members. Uh, but honestly, like this dream started with my dad probably 30 years ago. He's been talking about self-producing music since I can remember. Like he was ahead of, he was like, hey, check out this thing. It's called MIDI. It's 1996. And I'm like <laughs> in fourth grade. And I'm like, he would just sit there and talk to me about this stuff. And I would listen. And uh, I don't think he ever was able to do that. You know, that really kind of always bothered me. So it was, I made it a personal goal to make sure that that dream came true. And from a songwriting perspective, it's one of the choruses and one of the songs on the album. And it's kind of an important message for me. So That's the biggest thing I like about this band is the, the family-orientedness. Your brother plays you know, guitar and vocals. Your other brother, Ryan, who is good as, uh, as a photographer and also helps kind of manages the group and everything. Also a great movie blogger. If you've never read Ryan Watches Some... Uh, I forget the... I think it's called Ryan Watches it Some Films. Ryan Watches. Ryan watches movies. Um, and he does a great uh, breakdown on films and everything. So if you if you're bored sometime on the internet, go check out Ryan Moore's blog on movies. He does a very good job. Very intelligent guy. And, and of course, co- a close friend with Stephen, um, uh, who does a lot of a lot of great stuff. So um, he came down on Thor, by the way. Two and a half stars. Yeah, I saw that. Oh my! God. I haven't read. I haven't read it fully because he spoils it. I still yeah. have not. I'm not read Thor. Or not, excuse me. I'm not read the blog, and I'm not watched Thor Ragnarok just yet. So, nine out of ten. Nine out of ten for you. Would watch again. <laughs> <laughs> two two thumbs way up. Yeah, I enjoyed it. That's the biggest thing I, I liked about this band is just the the family passion and everything, and finding Steve because you you guys have done stuff in the music scene for a while with a couple of other acts, but uh, having Steve into the band uh, really changes things around. You know, you want to talk more about that? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I came into it, you know, uh, not really having a way to uh, express myself creatively at all, other than at work, um, and <laughs> so I. You know, these guys took me on, and uh, they were, I, I felt like a celebrity coming on with these guys because they were so happy to work with me, and uh, brought me in, and we started writing and bringing back old songs, and it's just been a trip, and they've helped me out a lot, you know, with um, giving me the, uh, the the tools that I need to, to keep playing. I'm playing, uh, I also uh, sit in with uh, Jeffrey Oliver now. Oh, um, good. So, yeah. so good. Yeah. <laughs> That's someone I definitely want to bring on to this uh, later down because that, that kid has the voice of an angel. It, it's it, like yeah. Jim Blossoms and Coheed and Cambria. Like when you sit there and listen to it, I'm like, wow, he's got pipes. There was another band uh, called Dead Letter Circus. Yeah. I've he heard of sounds a lot like that singer. And I got hip to them randomly thanks to Spotify. Yeah. But, yeah, Jeffrey's a great dude, and uh, been working with him, too, a little bit. And so I'm just 
doing my thing, playing drums, and uh, and of course, Dream Repair is my main. They're my main boobs right now. <laughs> the main, oh, main, okay. main boobs. You have a side boob. They're, they're bay right boobs. now. They're bay. <laughs> yeah, we told Steve pretty early on, like. If if you want to investigate and explore their projects, or like we're not going to be exclusive, like you look at this guy, like yeah. we want to share his love Whatever. with the world, and uh, we we've known about you since like I I remember seeing you play him in Cichlid over at the Rome, I think it was the first time I ever saw you, and I'm like, and I was playing drums at the time, mm-hmm. like a drummer watching a drummer play, you know, with Ed, I was in Edgewater Drive, I just watched him like wow. That's really how that's supposed to look. Also, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how you draw. <laughs> that's that's how you hit the hit the things with the things. <laughs> and I just, uh, it kind of got to the point where a lot of this album was former song suite that had been kind of pushed aside, and not because we didn't feel that they were strong songs, but we didn't have the right pieces in place to perform them. Mm-hmm. And it's that's always hard when you have something you're really proud of and you want to share with the world and. You don't have the right people in place. Bringing him in was awesome in that regard because it kind of allowed me to move up front, which I'd been wanting to do secretly for a long time. I was nervous about moving to bass, but I've been playing guitar a long time, and I'm a rhythm section guy to begin with. So I think having two drummers in the band in that regard, we've we've always locked in. It's and, been nice. And his style helped my style because I I was a sort of a metal guy, and listening to his ideas and the things that he was doing in songs. It was a different take than what I would have done, but it, but together it sounded yeah. good, you know, mixing, blending the styles. I've, I've always felt like a pretty good drummer, but I think he, he beats me just a little bit in several categories, but there are definitely things he can do that I can't and vice versa. So we complement each other really well. It's really, it's really nice to see, like, because I saw a little bit of Edgewater Drive uh, from the time you guys were together, and then seeing Dream Repair... Uh, form kind of out of as as kind of stereotypical as it sounds like out of the ashes of that because much like any band and any music scene we've discussed this before on the show um, it, it, it has its ins and outs it has its flows and everybody it's almost incestuous everybody's playing with everybody in, in some sets but um, it, it's 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 a nicer sound to be honest to see what I see now and what I hear now. And, you know, thankfully, you you know, I, I'm very I, I'm very honored to listen to the album before it has come out. Um, by the time you listen to this, it'll, it'll be probably just coming out. Um, uh, and they'll be playing uh, their show later this month. Like I said, this is later in the recording. So when your, your CD release show is later in November, correct? Uh, our CD release is November 25th. That's the day of the Ohio State-Michigan game. They play early. And uh, we thought it made sense to have it on a weekend when we knew a lot of people's families would be in town and they were sick of each other and wanted to go get drunk anyways. So Get drunk in celebration for OSU and Michigan uh, or Michigan wedding or uh, drink in defeat of either OSU or Michigan wedding. I don't know. I don't care. I'm not a sports guy. So <laughs> We're releasing the album on the 24th, the day before. Uh, that was when we had to come to compromise on. Personally, I would have done it the week before and let our let our fan pace kind of soak it in mm-hmm. but i can compromise on the 24th i have major control issues i've as i get older i've found out so i'm i'm <laughs> kind of learning the same a little bit yeah. like i can i can work around things but i'm very i'm learning real quick that i can't have i can't have full control of people which is always an unfortunate part <laughs> but um, preaching to the choir bro. yeah but like it it i i like I just like details 
and I like everybody to be in the know, and I try to work as hard as I can, and unfortunately I'm learning real quick that a lot of people don't work on the same level as me. And, and either that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. I know. Like I, I'm always, I always make the joke. Like, I'm so glad there's not a twin of me because then I would just be annoyed with myself. Like if I act like my little brothers are twins and they're six years younger than me and, and I love them to death, but they're little shitheads. I'm not even going to lie to you. Um, I, I, I'm so happy and they didn't have to do, deal with a lot of like the social issues and shit like that, that I had to dealt with. Um, this got heavy real fast, so I apologize. Um, uh, but, but yeah, but it, it, but it's very nice to see that they are doing well for themselves, which is good. But also at the end of the day, they, you know, they're six years younger than me. They're little shitheads. So <laughs> I, can, I can relate to that in, in some regards. You know what I mean? Like that idea of, uh, there's always there's always pressure on yourself to be yes. the best version of yourself you can be. Right. And that's uh, I I kind of demand perfection for myself when perfection is impossible, and right. I think I get down on myself as a result. So. What's the age difference between you, Mike, and Ryan? We're all around two years apart. Uh, okay. I think Mike and I are eighteen. Ryan is thirty. I think he's thirty-two or thirty-three, and I just turned thirty. So. Right. On. So we're all. We were all a couple grades apart in middle school or in school, so and we've done music together our whole lives. One of the main things I really liked um, when I when I talked to you a while ago uh, for a radio station um, is that one of the biggest influences in music was your family. And I always remember this, and I believe this is correct. Um, your family played a lot of Beatles. Oh my god! In, in your family, we uh, we we listened to a ton of Beatles growing up. Um, my dad, my dad did this re- well. They would they would party on the weekends. They'd drink and barbecue and stuff, mm-hmm. and just blare music in the North End. It was great, but we would have these nights where you know he'd set up the microphone through the PA and we'd sing along to whatever you know, and a lot of the times that was the Beatles from like five to twelve. Like there was, we were singing Beatles songs, and there would be certain nights where the music would stop. My dad would he'd pull out the keyboard. And he'd point to me and say, "You need to be singing this note, and you're not quite there yet. You know, do you hear what do you hear what George is doing here?" And he would have those conversations with me. I'd be eight or nine years old. You know what I mean? But he really gave instilled in me like the ear. Like you know, I think some of that is genetic. You know, you're kind of born with that kind of thing. But I would just, I was kind of obsessive with. I would listen. I'd get the best pair of headphones in the house, and I would listen to. It was the Beatles for most of that. Or I remember I discovered Stairway to Heaven in eighth grade. <laughs> Probably four or five hundred times in eighth grade I listened to that song. It's like I felt like I had to catch up on the last three decades. So, but yeah, uh, we were breastfed on the Beatles. And that's, uh, I'm, I think I sing as well as I do in part, or at least harmony-wise, because of all that time. up the pad, a way to kill the pain, busting open doors, I know that you feel me, screaming down the line, everything I need, it'll be alright, you gotta believe, this'll be the track, just trust me, please press play and you will see, every time I write a song it feels incomplete, and give up the ghost, while I
biggest thing i like of this band is the harmonies it's 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 really nice you can hear that in a lot of the songs on the album big dreams um that's the one that's a huge factor that i enjoy about this band i love me a good harmonies i'm I'm a choir boy myself um i was in choir and i had an ear for music thanks to my grandfather um at, at a very young age and when it got to an age where i was allowed to listen to my own choices in music and not Um, not the Christian music, nothing against it. That's not my bag though. Not really originally this person, but when I was growing up, I had religion kind of shoved down my throat and I, I got to an age where I got to, I got to choose my own music. And I remember one of the very first albums that I bought with my own money, with my earned money was a band in the early two thousands called orgy and their album candy ass. Which and now coming <laughs> coming back to it only had two good songs on the whole entire album, and they only had two good hits. You can guess which one those those are. I uh, how old were you? Um, Ish middle school. Yeah, I was gonna say middle school. Uh, yeah, that's when it hit. Sixth, seventh grade. Yeah. We uh, I think I was in seventh grade when I had a similar experience. Uh, my first album was uh, Creed, My Own Prison. Yes. Oh my god, I yes. love that album. Oof. So good. Like I never heard anything like that before. It was like that drop D guitar and it's kind of heavy. Right. And I was like, do these guys worship the devil? Can and it's Scott Stapp. It's Scott Stapp. <laughs> and that was before like all of it. You know, like right. For me, that that hit me in a special way. So, Steve, what about you? Oh man, Creed Creed was a big one for me growing up. Unfortunately, I, I kind of I've still can we, we can I still it. look down when I admit dude. It. You don't have to. Like, no, it this, is what it is. This is, is a, man. This is a, a it's course a to a judgment free zone. Creed DNA. was a Creed was a good one um, for me, and uh, System of a Down was another oh, one yeah. where you could just you know, like you said, middle school age, yeah. you're just sitting down on a kit and thrashing mm. out on the drums, and you, you sit down with some System of a Down and. 
That's that's good stuff. I want yeah. I want I want to get I want to get Pat on this. Pat, yeah, come here for a second. I want, I want, I want to know what was your first, what was the first album for you? Like, what was the album that got how you? Old and too. How old too? How old? Like, what yeah, was I the? Really, really into. Um, man, uh, Green Day when I was like in fourth or fifth grade, honestly. Dookie, oh, cool. wow. like, yeah, like Dookie when I was like younger, Solid. yeah. Um, Actually. and then like probably used My Chemical Romance, and then like uh. Unholy, Waking the Fallen era. Of oh my God! Yes, that album. That, that, which now it's kind of crazy to listen to, but I, uh, I really enjoy. I definitely got me into the guitar. When you yeah. get, when you get, into and the more like virtuoso soloing and stuff too. Yeah. When you get into, uh, I like I shuffle through Spotify and I hear I won't see you tonight. Part one. I love that track, man. To this day. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's very nostalgic. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting. It hits you right, but uh. First songs I ever learned on the drums were Teen Spirit by Nirvana. Oh, yeah. And uh, When I Come Around by Green Day. He, he got me with that when he said Green Day. I might I might get shit on this, but I, I think Nirvana is incredibly overrated. Oh, um, boy. And, 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 well, and, well, here's the thing. Being in radio and hearing a lot of, like, the radio hits of certain bands. Like, I'm sure if I, de- if I did a deeper dive into Nirvana's uh, uh, discography, I will find better gems than... Smells like Teen Spirit. You know you're all right. Rate me, things like that. But like having Nirvana, working at a, working at an alternative for uh, alternative rock radio station for the longest time, and hearing all of those hits shoved down your throat. Oh yeah. I just like, I I honestly could, uh, if if I really was feeling extra saucy, I may have died in because you know. And it's funny being a radio guy talking about this, and I've said it before, like, Spotify's been my best friend as of late. Oh, yeah. Because I've de- developed a taste for all this music and also develop, uh, developed taste for music that I've never even heard of before. But everybody's like, yeah, where have you been? I've We've listened to this for, for years. Like, where, where the fuck? I'm like, I'm sorry. I've been sheltered. <laughs> and it's – I'd like to – like, for me, like, while the band itself might – like the obviously you talk about the cultural impact of a band like that, right. like it changed everything. And Breaking Benjamin, another influence for me. Like you talk about that band and mm-hmm. a lot of things um, that inspired me when I hear it. Like he, when he first learned how to play guitar, Benjamin Burnley, I think it was Nevermind. Like he picked up that, you know what I mean? Like he sat down and learned that album. And uh, so I, I really, it's always fascinating to me to think about, you know, musical DNA. Like we've talked about how that turns you into musicians and bands I really enjoy. Like, I'm not going to listen to Nevermind. Like, right. personally, I'm not. You know, like, but it's good to know that the bands I care about, obviously, they love the crap out of them when they were my age, and here we are today, so. Musical tastes develop, much like, you know, life things develop and everything like that. And, you know, as like we talked about before is, you know, as we get older, you know, certain things we see, we've developed, and everything has kind of changed our minds, especially... Um, the time we live right now where everybody is more connected than ever yet also everything is under microscopes more and more that almost you have to watch especially what you say especially in this past month with so much reveal uh, at the time it's recording so much revealing of sexual allegations and sexual harassment by so many acts and actors and actresses and whomever more actors than anything just creepy dudes being creepy did you see the did you see uh, somebody came out against George Takei too yeah and and i like i never want to say i don't believe that because if someone's coming forward with something as serious as that you know, it, it. I don't think it should be messed around with. I don't. I don't like the idea of victim blaming. I. 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 I 
this becomes a slippery slope when you discuss this. Um, but you know, for someone like George Takei, who's done so much to like a- for advocates, uh, for advocates of like of of growing up as a gay man and being quiet about that, especially in Hollywood and everything, then all of a sudden now something comes out from his a, a dark skeleton from your past comes out. It's just very hard to take in. It's a bitter pill to swallow with a lot of these. Like the the biggest thing right now is the lead singer of Brand New basically coming out and saying that yeah he had relations to an underage child. I saw that post the other day and, and like, I went to go start reading. I'm like, oh no, not you too. <laughs> no, like well yeah because in the string in the in the string of like the past couple of weeks we've seen all of this and it just blows my mind because first off, let's be honest, why the fuck do you think it's a good idea to diddle minors? <laughs> I gotta tell you, man, I'm a middle school English teacher, right. and it's the last thing on my mind on a daily basis. Exactly. I'm like, well, that's that's the worst. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sorry. I don't find a child attractive. <laughs> like, a... And it always ends up being boys. Yeah. That's... Yeah. <laughs> I. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate the time we live in, but I also am all for a lot of these creeps being ousted. And and these people either getting the help or getting punished for what they did, no matter how long they've been doing it for, you know. Well, when you talk about like social media and technology yeah. and evolution of our society, you think about um, this wouldn't have been possible twenty years ago. No. You think about like Michael Jackson, for instance. A, a buddy of mine brought that up the other day, and all the allegations that had come out of him in the nineties. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think the culture wasn't ready to talk about those things, and. I think you hear more and more stories, like, to present day, and you see online, like, you're, we're kind of all been colored and conditioned by what we read, you know what I mean, like, online and what we see, mm-hmm. and I think it's, you, I think about the statistic about gay marriage, where when I was a child, like, 10, 15, it was still very, very much a thing that wasn't okay, and at, here comes Facebook, the internet, and people read each other's tweets and thought processes, and suddenly... Like it's like an eighty percent acceptance rate or whatever it is because it forces people to be more open minded. It also increases the chances for social justice because all of us feel satisfied when a bad person gets their comeuppance. So right. it, you get this intense, uh, this intense feedback loop where this SOB Snowball. just did this and it snowballs out of control. And then I always wrestle with is. Has has the internet, social media, has that made society better or worse? I, <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, I, <laughs> I I saw I forget the guy who did it. Um, I'm a big fan of the show Hot Ones, um, which is you know celebrities and and musicians and, and famous people basically sit down being interviewed while eating perpetually hotter hot wings. Oh, I saw I saw that the other day with and, Post Malone. And oh yeah, the Post Malone episode. I, and, and that's made me that made me love Post Malone, Post Malone even more. Even though I just got hip to his music recently, and I'm not the biggest rap fan, but I can appreciate Post Malone. Um, and I think he has more of like rock roots that 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 uh, that uh, people um, people don't give him enough credit for. Like he's done, he play he can play the guitar decently well. And, you know, he, I seen him do some acoustic sessions, just him rapping and singing on the guitar. Oh, that's awesome. And I think, and I think that's really cool. Um, I forget the, uh, the, the person, uh, I was, uh, who was doing the interview, but they said that, um, social media is a, is a mirror. It's not bringing out, out anything light. It's, be, it's basically people making a reflection on, uh, of themselves onto the, the greater thing. And I like, I, I treat social media, like, honestly, if I didn't do what I do, 
I'd be off social media. I'd be off most of social media. Like, I like Instagram because it's hard to be very dramatic with photos. Like, you know, oh, hey, this is a picture of me and my wife. Oh, this is a picture of my granddaughter. Oh, this is a picture of my food. Hey, this is a weird, funny thing I saw. That's it. I would say it's right. a... I would say it's a fun mirror. You know yeah. what I mean? Because yeah. we, oh, yeah. we distort and we present the best versions of ourselves. Right. You know what I mean? Like, everybody's life is perfect online. Like, most people I know underneath, like, shit's a car wreck. Pardon oh, my yeah. French. But, like, that's that's what you see online. Like, oh, everything's great. I'm blessed. Da, 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 da. Right. And then, but I feel more alone than I've ever felt before, despite having six or 700 right. friends on my list. Like, who can I really talk to? Right. And it's very hard. That's why I try to keep everything as... The same, and it also goes with radio because I, you know, I work, I work at a place that, and and this is not really a dig on them, but like a lot of people, there's a lot of egos in radio, and like everybody meets the personality, um, and and then in real life they'll see him like in the streets or whatnot and whatnot, and they'll be like a complete elder asshole. Um, I I try to make it as like the same person you talk to in person. It's the same person you would talk to in studio. It's the same person you would talk to if you met him, if I met him, met him on my best or worst day or something on the show. Like, there's no difference, like, with me. I heard the radio voice in the introduction. After that, you've been very genuine. Yeah. So. Well, it, I mean, you, at the end of the day, this is a show. In a, in a sense, and I and it's hard for me to be. It's hard for me to uh, to, to ever turn that off because at the end of the oh, day, yeah. I like I like being on the radio. I got on radio to entertain people. Um, I I thoroughly enjoy doing that. I, I still like to do it more than usual. Um, this podcast helps a lot, but at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's about my guests. It's about the conversation we're having. And that's why with Dream Repair, it's something that I'm trying differently that I've never done in the past. Is I'm trying to be more social. I'm, I consider myself sort of a socially awkward person. I don't like big crowds, even though I love getting on stage. And, <laughs> same. Right. <laughs> honestly, honestly, same. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. there are a lot of times that, like, uh, people are like, oh, why didn't you come to the show? It right. didn't fucking feel like it, because there's too many people. I had social anxiety at a live broadcast during uh, uh, St. Patrick's Day earlier this year. Oh, like, really? I, I walked into an Irish pub at 9 in the morning fucking packed and I'm like uh, as, mo- as soon as I walked in I'm like I, I don't want to be here I want to go home I'm done you're also probably I would like, guess not much of a drinker either no I, I maybe get I, I get to the point of drunk maybe once a year yeah it's like with three kids I don't have time for it no. so it's like I could drink tonight and get hammered but then I got a, I have three babies I gotta yeah. figure that out so yeah. so but, uh, you know the point of what I was saying though is when you're out at a show if you're in Toledo you're out at a show you love music and you see someone who, who you like or, or you admire from afar, don't be afraid to say hello yeah. because some of the nicest people are the quiet ones. And sometimes when I'm at shows, I feel like I'm trying to reach out to people and make a good connection, and it just it doesn't go anywhere. And I want to I wanna see that stop. You know, I want to see the, the connections go further, you know. I was talking to Pat earlier uh, while we're waiting on you guys to come in is that Toledo has a very great music scene in the point that not only it's fertile, but it's very supportive. There's not a lot of drama. There's not a lot of undercutting. There's not a doggy dog world atmosphere. And I've heard places as close as Cleveland do stuff like that. That's crazy. So I'm very, it's very fortunate where where we're at and what we do. I think it's because like, there's not a lot of pressure on ourselves. And, 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 and Pat did a great point on this. Like, more of the undertrotted, like maybe not as financially stable towns is maybe where the more genuine music and people come from. Right. 
Like, you can always think, like, there's going to be big stuff in, like, Chicago, New York, and L.A., but they're better off. But you come in somewhere like Toledo, who, you know, it, some can even compare as Little Detroit, you know, is is where, you know, there's not a lot going on, but there's a lot more gen, uh, uh, generosity and a lot of uh, um, heart in a lot of things. Well, you think yeah. about, like, struggle and uh, poverty. Mm-hmm. I, I deal with, that's a lot of what I have to deal with on a daily basis is... Yeah you know, the effect of poverty on the human being. And I grew up in poverty. Like, uh, when I, I'm to mention my dad again, we didn't have the money to go buy a drum set. Like it it became pretty clear by fifth or sixth grade that this was something I was into. You know, Mm -hmm. we had an old van in the, in the backyard. He literally rebuilt the engine and sold it for four or 500 bucks to make sure I got my first kit. Like that's, and because he knew how, right. Like, and I, when we, he doesn't know this, but I, 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 we dedicated the album to my parents. Uh, but I mentioned that in a line on the back because it's, I, I don't think he appreciates. I hope he appreciates the impact that he had because I couldn't imagine my life without music. That, but uh, I love that. I love I, I love that feel and and like that's that's the biggest thing. Like my grandfather was the biggest influence in my life, um, and he he passed about a year ago. And he, he was named, it was kind of nicknamed the music man. He had every format of music you can think of, even trying to, trying to figure out how to, and at, at an older age, trying to figure out how he can get his jazz records onto the computer. Like, and like, that's, awesome. that's like, he's done, he has had every format. He's seen the record. He's seen the eight track. He's seen the cassette. He's seen the CDs. He's seen the digital. He's seen the resurgence of vinyl and you know and he kept up with it until until he his his brain unfortunately pickled um due to dementia and um and i'm not putting that lightly or anything it's just that's that's literally what happened and we saw like such an intelligent man like become a shell of his former self in front of your eyes and it's and it was hard and it's still hard it's i it's just nobody realizes how big of an impact music has like it's one of the very few formats that many people can uh, all shapes and sizes can do and it can never be listened to the same way twice. And I think that's a beautiful thing. You carry everything you are with with that song, you mm-hmm. know, like and you like applying your own context to it, you know, and that's the best songs for me are like I I remember the first time I heard them where I was at, what I was doing, you know what I mean? And that's that's and you know you go along with that idea of dementia like you put an instrument in that guy that person's hands more often than not like muscle memory will take them there and mm-hmm. so maybe you experience that or i hope you got to see something like that uh i lost my grandma to that too that's mm-hmm. it's hard yeah it's 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 very difficult and i and i'd like to know like more kind of like the feeling behind big dreams like how how are you going into these songs it's more than just like we have a band. Let's put on an album. Like it, it seems like there was a lot of like emotional stability that also came with it as well. Well, uh, thematically, um, you mentioned struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the type of guy where, like, I should be great. You know what I mean? Like, I should just feel great all the time. Right. Like, I've accomplished just about everything I've set out to do, and. But there's still always, like, I deal with anxiety and depression quite a bit. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you got to stay busy, like, to keep those demons at bay. Like, I'm probably the busiest guy I know. 
and I, I need it to be that way. But, uh, and you spend a lot of time kind of getting, being either too hard on yourself or the world literally being too hard on you for whatever reason. And that's, that really hit me, like, as an adult. Like, I started teaching, and it was time for me to be a, a grown-up, so to speak, you know, and it's, you, you lose, you lose every day if you try. And, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. you just, you're going to fail if you care enough about something. Yeah. And uh, one of my best strengths is taking a beating, I guess. So for me, like, when when I wrote A Single Spark, that was probably two, three or four years ago now, that there's a line in there in the course, in, it's easy to have big dreams when you live through daily defeat. Like, mm -hmm. you look forward to tomorrow because today is sometimes too hard. And that's... And I also, for me, I don't know if I've ever said this to you. Uh, that's I'm being I'm being slightly I'm being slightly obnoxious with big dreams, you know, in, in some ways to me because for some people, releasing an album's not a big deal. It's a more affluent thing. Your mom or dad just pays the money. You go record it. It's done. But for me, like this this little slice of my life is very important to me. And some people would look at that and kind of scoff, you know. And I I think they would. And I just it's it's almost meant ironically in some ways because you know I'm a, a school teacher but I, I need to do this right and that's it's it's big to me and it might just be a show every couple months it might be an album every year or two but it's there's this drive in me that I have to do it and uh, because nothing makes me feel better like when you're creative like it's great for your soul so what do you what is your take on big dreams steve i mean for me you know dream repair and big dreams is just you know when i get on stage with you guys and we play i i think you know i'm i'm still doing what i dreamed of doing right and it's not in the same sense that i dreamed it or dreamt it but it's still happening so i'm i'm repairing you know my dreams through playing with dream repair by by just just playing and, and, and doing what I love and you guys, you know, have what I, when I, when I said, give me the tools, you know, I, I, I kind of came out of a bad spot in my life too, where I ended up with no, no, no gear at all. I had nothing, but I still had the want to play and, and these guys, you know, brought me on and provided me with a drum kit until I was able to get re-geared. And so it was, uh, it was kind of like a, Hey, I'll drum for you. If I can use your drums, <laughs> we'll drum for food. Right, we'll we'll drum for drums. Right, so Sweet you know, it, you know, it all worked out, and you know, so I'm able to still do what I love, and I'm able to, you know, obviously, you know, everything that this album means to these guys and their family, and I'm able to to provide something towards that, and that's cool for me too. A very important something too. Right. Uh, and as far as, like, the name of the band, it's, I've always thought of it as, like, a process. You know what I mean? Like, because you set goals for yourself, and either you smash them or something happens, and you reflect, and you grow, and you repair, and fix parts of yourself, you know, like, and try to become a better version of yourself than right. you were the day before. Incarceration is a reminder of why I'm no longer with you. 
Every second of every day I long to see your pretty face But these bars don't only keep my body They retain all of these years of regret oddly Residing in myself I need release from my hell It's funny how this worked out I'm trapped within this cell Yet I feel locked up within myself Yeah, I'm flitting on this surface Wishing for relief My eyes are closed and I'm wondering Why can't I sleep? Why can't I sleep? Why can't I? Ever since the accident, I must admit that I wish I could take it all back. You have no business just driving away. I wish there was some life in your face. All the doctors don't know if you will wake up. If I could, I would go back in time and just make up. I really hate myself knowing that you are not well. It's funny how this worked out You're laying in this bed But at least I know that you're not dead You are laying in this coma I miss you every day Your eyes are closed and I'm wondering Will they stay that way? points in your life that you have to break yourself down to the lowest common denominator yeah. just to rebuild yourself up as uh, higher than you did before and i as it cracks me up i could think of like you always see your posts online or whatever and like former versions of yourself so to speak oh, yeah. and you're like i'm so, such an idiot right. as if you're not an idiot today but right and that kind of <laughs> facebook on this day is like the most cringeworthy thing oh, but my i God. still like enjoy like looking back and going like, oh, like where am I? Where was I a year ago? Two years ago? Eight years ago? And I see myself with a post eight years ago, and I'm like, I'm gonna delete that. I, I, I deleted a post the other day. I'm like, <laughs> I can't let this exist anymore. Right. Goodbye, post. <laughs>
Like I like I like I do like as of late I've just done like these obnoxious blanket statements. No, for no fucking reason. Just like I said, why is Reese's peanut butter cups the best candy bar, and why are you wrong? Like I just like I do like stupid shit like that because I like because at, at this time we need a lot more laughs and and enjoyable uh, enjoyable discussion about things and as 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 little it is as a candy bar which really in the grand scheme of things does no does not give a shit about a thing, but. It, you can all like look at that and get a crack out of smile and then just go on your day no matter what you're dealing with and I and I like doing that. That was the biggest thing that I did or wanted to do for radio. That's what biggest thing I want to do for this podcast is not only, f- you know, feature great musicians like you yourself, but well, also you. you know have just really good discussions about things because you come to find out depending no matter where we're at and what life path we are and this sounds very like mystical in a sense so sorry um it is that um it, but you can come down and have a good conversation with good people and and go from there so are you a reese's guy or a snickers guy? i i love reese's okay. i love reese's peanut butter i don't know if you caught that it's like why is reese's peanut butter cups the best candy bar and why are you wrong so like, cause I am I am pro Reese's. Don't 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 get me wrong. I like all the other candy bars too. But at the end of the day, I think the combination of sweet and salty and 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 the and how it's executed is probably the best. You're you're not wrong. Chocolate and peanut butter together. Right. That's it's always it's always the sweet and the saltiness, oh, yeah. or, or like oh, the yeah. sweet and the spicy. That's what I I, I really enjoy. Like uh, another like mini dream of mine. Like there's a couple of things I have like mini dreams of mine. One was like my own action figure. Still want that. Uh, I think that can uh, happen. I think that I, I think I, that could that could happen. Uh, but like, uh, biggest thing was like having my own sandwich. Like my father, my father works in restaurants all his life and still does. He owns a little joint in Cleveland called Wings. If you're ever on Broadway Street, want a good, you know, want to go to like this straight random dive bar that has awesome corned beef sandwiches in Cleveland, go go see Wings. Um, but. Uh, I was like having my own sandwich just because it's like, you know, let me get the, let me get the, the pod sandwich or whatever the fuck's called and everybody or like, hey, let me get the regular. I always want to have a regular at a location that like the people know what it is. So, so stuff like that. Step one, find a deli. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Step one, find a deli. Step two, find something that's really delicious and go from there. I don't know. Maybe I'll hit a pizza cat because uh, they do a lot of like signature stuff as of late and they're delicious. I do need to check out pizza cat. It's- I've. Not only from the music scene, I, I hear it all the time, but like just random people I know. It's like like pizza aficionados. They mentioned Pizza Cat. I'm like, that's awesome. I uh, I I thought, to be honest, when I first heard of Pizza Cat, I thought it was overhyped. Really? Then I had it. Yeah. And then the hype was real. Mm. Like it it's it backs it up. And also having them be in Ottawa Tavern, which I just feel like more more venues need to have food in general, because if you're gonna go to a show and stay out there for five for five hours. I need something in me. We need to talk. I, I, I get so... I love playing music, and I love the CD release party, but playing at 1230 at night, like, you think about those kind of things, 1 o'clock at night, like... When doors are at 7, the first band hits at 8. And, like, the scene... Like, I'd be very curious as to, like, how the scene felt about it. I've talked to members in other bands about this, but, like, like on a Tuesday night show, like, 6 o'clock, you know, you just open the doors, get it started. You know what I mean? Like... I don't know. I think there's more people that would be willing to come out if we moved everything up a little bit. I I tend to agree. I'm I'm one of those people. I I think 
I understand that you want to have doors open and then have people like commute in before music starts right away and spend money at the bar and spend money <laughs> at the bar. I get it. I understand it. But now in this day and age, people have other schedules, work schedules, and honestly, I'm I'm I, thir- uh, when I turned thirty, it hit me like a brick. So I can't wake. I can't stay up all the way out till like one a.m., two a.m., and then wake up four hours later and still be fine. I can't do that anymore. Even on a weekend, it just throws off the next day, which throws off your whole week. Right. I mean, like, because you're out of rhythm now. Daylight savings time has fucked me up more than it has recently. And it's weird. I went to it's bed. like, old sucks. It's like, you didn't gain any. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, cool, I slept an extra hour, but then, like, the last couple of days, I'm so fucking tired, I'm going to sleep at 8. My wife is a third shift nurse, and she, she, she works 7 to 7 at night, so... It'll be like, I'll put all three kids to bed and get that whole process started with a three-month-old, a four- and a five-year-old. And uh, it'll be like 8.30, 8.45. I'm like, okay, okay, time to get started on some work. Or I could just go to bed right now. <laughs> like, I'll get up in the morning and do it. And then I don't. <laughs> so That's that's me when I'm uh, when I'm editing podcasts and things like that. I'm like, I, I give myself two weeks. Even though I'll probably, like, and like I'm getting, because of my work schedule and everything, I give myself two weeks. I was like, I need to figure out, like, what I'm doing. And, and I like to sit down and, like, do my editing when there's, like, no one in the house. Like, when my wife's not there, when I don't have to go anywhere, when I don't, there's not, there's not a time crunch. I can just sit down, like, sleep in a little bit, wake up, do my editing when I'm, like, fresh in my mind. Instead of, like, oh, I've had a long day at work. Oh, great, now i got to go and edit it and listen and listen back to this conversation or this interview for an hour, hour and a half, depending on when, however long it is. It just feels like more work. I like to do it as, like, when I'm just resting and it's easy and there's, like, nothing going on. So that's the biggest thing. So I give myself two weeks between, like, recording uh, recording and then editing. Um, but, like, if there's, like, a special request, I can I can force myself to do it. That's fine. It's not a big deal. I'd rather, I'd rather have the person I'm interviewing get all this stuff on a timely basis, plus, you know, your audience or whatnot. But at the end of the day, sometimes I'm like, oh, fuck, I gave myself two weeks, and I just spent a week and a half fucking around just due to everything. Like, if I leave that sit, sit too long, or if I leave that stuff sit too long, it... I get anxiety. Like, I can't. Like, that's why, like, for the album taking as long as it did to finish, like, because I still have to be a father and a teacher. You know what I mean? Like, that drives me crazy to have that weight on my shoulders. Like, what do you teach? I'm an English teacher. I oh. teach, uh, six, oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. I teach grades six, seven, and eight uh, at a small little charter. Uh, 99% free and reduced lunch, that whole thing. A lot of students from North Toledo, which is kind of cool. Like, the school itself is located over by, uh, by the University of Toledo, but we bust them in. So that's been a really rewarding, if not challenging, experience. There are rare opportunities where I get to bring music into that too, which right. is nice. Like I'll have a certain assignment or maybe a book report, write a song about this section of the book. And I have some really good musicians in the building that are just naturally talented. I got this eighth grader right now. She is literally a pop star. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's crazy. Like, I wish I could record it. I could probably sit down and record a song with her a week. Like, she'll come in like, hey, look at this instrumental on YouTube. She'll pull out her notebook, 15 songs in there, and she'll perform this song. I'm like, I could put that on the radio today. And it's just insane to me. Like, I think about myself in eighth grade. And, of course, this is the type of girl that keeps getting suspended because there's abuse issues and, and she's foster homes. And 
so you you end up taking a lot of that trauma with you when you're because people come to you and they need your help and I'm that guy in my building. Right. So it's the same with my wife. My wife's kind of like an empath in a sense. Oh, very but, much so. Yeah. Well, she yeah. like everybody will just come to her and talk to her about all their problems, and then it it holds on her. So if I can, in sm- some small gesture, Mr. Moore, can I come to lunch today and record that song? Even if I don't have a planning period, and that's my 45 minutes of the day, I'm going to spend that with that person because she needs that. She right. needs somebody to be that person in her life. So, And there's there's a bunch of stories like that I won't bore you with, but it's rewarding hard work. My worst year of school to date in nine years, by the way. Really? Yes. Ooh. Not, not personally. Oh. Uh, I'm, I'm like a Jedi in the classroom. It's kind of unnerving. Like the teachers come and watch me teach because we work with a challenging population. But I literally am to the point now with certain kids where I just do this yeah. and it fixes it. Like I don't, but it's because I spend the time building the relationships. But uh, we lost 17 seconds and I'm moving on, I promise. But right. we lost, uh, we had to lay off several teachers because enrollment was down. Right. Ugly side of charter schools. And then two teachers that I worked with very closely in the middle school resigned with 36 hours notice. And you get these kids that have these abandonment issues already because they're jerks sometimes. Teachers get frustrated and leave. And then they start crying because the teachers left them again. And they're even worse for the next round. Like we spent the last month, I'm surprised the building didn't fall apart. It could have. You know what I mean? Like because. It's not like you could find consistent subs because they're going to chew the subs up too. Right. It's. I wish I wish you could be invisible and see see some of the stuff I see on a daily basis. It's it's it could have been a train wreck and it was. A lot a lot of teachers don't get enough credit for a lot of their work, and like and, and I know that's very that's very blase to say that that statement. It's still it, nice to hear. It's, like, it's, it's true. It's absolutely true. Uh, Evan Daniels, the man outside, is a teacher in Monroe. Michigan. Uh, another podcast that I enjoyed doing, uh, dealing with um, and talking to and hanging out with uh, the Grown Ups podcast. Three fourths of that uh, of of that group is teachers. Oh, that's awesome. Um, you know, and they, they, I see the struggles. I hear the struggles. I, I, and and I couldn't even imagine what is going on with that. And I think I think what's really interesting too is. Like, besides teaching them how to read and write, and the obvious things involved there, like, you're teaching them how to be, like, grown-ups. Like, and that's the whole secret of school is that process of what it means to be responsible. And you can't, in one breath, tell a 12-year-old, hey, when life gets tough, you got to try your hardest and work through it, and then quit when times get tough. Right. You know what I mean? And what kind of message does that send to a population of kids that you've committed to? To teaching yeah, so, do as i say not as i do right and that's that's one of the biggest things i see with teachers because i've seen a lot i've had eight principals in nine years what yeah so you I have a did lot that of white guy like yeah, confused oh, yeah. look gif, like what? there's there's a there's a lot of stuff that you you kind of see and deal with i sh- i'll put it to you like this mr pod i should not be the most consistent or i should not be the most adulty adult in my building i feel like i'm old before my time in some ways but i I look around like i shouldn't be that guy right now but i am like i've been teaching 10 years oh he's got the most experience by far you should go talk to him about your problems no i should just be a teacher i um i won't go into grave detail on the microphone but i will say 
I feel like that a lot of times. And I am the oh most. Oh, my God. I am the most. <laughs> yeah. And you see me and you see what I wear and you see the, the comic tattoos. You see at my desk, photos of my desk. It looks like a music venue and a comic book convention fucked. Um, and, um, and yet I am the most, uh, at certain times, I am the most adult in the building. Right. And that says something. And I won't go into great details about that. Nothing against the place I work. I, I love where I work. I love what I do. But sometimes it's harder than it is. Or it needs to be, rather. And if everybody could just do exactly what I say whenever I say it, the whole world would be... <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, if everybody was just like me, we'd be no problems. And I think about that too, like, man, I wouldn't want a school full of Andes either. That's not that's not no. the way it should be. No, so. no also, uh, if everybody was like me, everybody would be deaf because uh, I'm fucking loud. <laughs> so, I mean, you got the CD release show coming up. What other goals or other hashtag big dreams uh, do you want to do from here? I'm going to let you answer that question because I'm curious as to what you say. I, you know, we want to, we want to kind of, we want to, we want to do some out of town shows. We want to spread the the good word Uh um, if we can and hopefully start writing again eventually. And, uh, I don't know. I'm curious. I want to do more with the projector um, as so we go do I. on. Um, I'd so like. Do I. I'd like to. If if you've never been to a dream repair show, they have a projector that has the words on the screen and everything. But unfortunately, how certain situations work out, you have somebody literally changing the things. Yes. Yes. I think it'd be a point to try to time that. We want to do. We want to do something a little. Um, a little bit cooler than that, but uh, right. getting everything worked out and uh, getting it all together is uh, what we're working on now. But if I, I mean, if I had two weeks, like I would make a music video for each song to play, like a concept. You know what I mean? Right. That kind of goes along with it. Like that's that's always been oh, the end been goal. Thinking. Yeah, it's just the like, and I've got the rough outlines in my head of what I would want it to be. And my brother Ryan, obviously in photography, he's like, "Well, we need to rent special cameras and do this and that." I'm like. Well, yeah, we would definitely need that, but we'd also need a bunch of ridiculous time for filming and editing that we don't have. Right. But that's that's the next step for me. Like when you talk about big dreams and what that is, like I would love there, and I, I to be honest, I just ran out of time. Like I would have, I wanted to put something together for for the show, but with the actual, the stress of finishing the album, the stress of being involved heavily in the the finalization of the album, uh, the production of the album. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, just. I'd never done that before, so a lot of that was a learning curve for me, and uh, there's just not enough time in a day. I'm so. I'm learning a lot more about the production of a sound of a of a song of everything with guys like Pat, with guys like Steve, with guys like my friend Sean Daly out of the Mohawk Studio, with like a lot of these music producers. Steve Dwyer, man. Steve. Well, I was gonna say Steve Warser, but Steve Dwyer. Yeah. That that man. I always loved enjoying and talking with that guy more and more. He, uh, I remember we got our final, like we got our mixes back. Like okay. he did your, he did your album. No, God, oh, no. I okay. wish, I wish I had the money for that. We, we went to a, a close friend of ours who I've done stuff with. He's a DIY guy himself. He's released a few albums on his own. So he, he kind of did a final pass on the album for us. But, uh, I remember like we got it back and I was listening to it. I'm like, I can't believe it sounds this good. Like I was patting myself on the back for a little, like a basic same thing. Right. No, but it it turned out pretty well. Like for a basement recording, like we did it on a garage band and 
that's you could judge us if you want on that. That's okay. But uh, I won't because you guys are making music and I can yeah. really hold a hold a note nowadays. So and the challenge of of doing the best you can with what you have, I right. think, is fun. But I get I get give give up the ghost back. I'm like I send it to Steve Dwyer. I'm like, dude, check this out. And he was obviously pretty complimentary. He's like, oh, here's our new song. And he like he had it. It was uh, Eleven, Stranger Things. You oh know? my god. And. Uh, I'm like, well, well, fuck me, right? Like, I was, I was feeling real good about my mix until I heard Steve's, and uh, but Star Sleeper is. Oh my God, man! I, I hope to God, I hope to God, that Star Sleeper becomes bigger than it is. Oh yeah. Because I think it should. They could go on the road right now and just change, change well, the world. Well, when they did Once Over for God knows how long, and coming up in the new year, they're going to be doing a reunion show, and that band was around for what ten years. And and they did something within the regional area. I don't think they ever reached like a national tour sense, but I think they did regional stuff. I don't think it was beyond Toledo. To my knowledge, I don't know if anybody can back me on that because I've only been in the music scene and had and worked in it a little bit for the last few years. Um, but I know there's so much history. But I see a band like Star Sleeper, I hear a band like Star Sleeper, there's a visual element to Star Sleeper and I want to see them do well. But then beyond just a good local band, and that's uh, even how far that once over show is booked out. I, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna sell. I think out. That, yeah, especially the location it's in. Yeah, it's gonna sell. It's gonna like sell four out. or five hundred. I would. I would guess three or four hundred people will fill that the realm. I'm curious to see who they four get. Realm. Is it announced yet? Did they? They didn't announce any other opening. No, it's just yet, them. I, it's I, just and them. I think it'd be foolish if you announce something that far back of local sport, at least yet. Right. I'd say you do it in the middle because I think what the show's in February 2018. Right. I think so. Gonna... I think you should announce it at least maybe towards the end of December into January. I would love to know how many bands just like us messaged Steve and said, could we please be on the bill? Yeah. And I'd be really curious as to how, who gets chosen. He probably has like three days worth of bands asking right now. Yeah. Like everybody he's played with over the years. I'd be curious as to who, who makes the cut, so to speak. So you, well, the biggest thing you have to think about, cause I, if for the little experience I've had in putting on shows together, because when I do Peapod Paloozas, I do a lot of mixed genre shows. Oh yeah, and it and I do it as who uh, in two factors is who's entertaining and I like to enjoy and like to see live, and who can also draw well. Oh yeah, and and while the most recent Peapod Palooza is maybe the l- lightest of them all, uh, people wise, music quality wise was. Probably my favorite as of late. You got to find a sweet balance there. Yeah, pretty good band with a pretty good draw. Yeah, so. and I had, I had a pretty good draw. I had, I had Grubby Paws, I had Bliss Nova, I had Tink the Tanks, which was a newer punk band. Um, Did you have Civil Hands too? Uh, no, that was Peapod Palooza th- uh, two. Oh, okay. Um, I caught them. They're uh, a great band. Now let me, now let me look at my photos because I kept the the page to it. Uh, I saw them open for Hawthorne Heights. That was um, yeah. I did. Uh, uh, oh, I Fish Fisher couldn't make it because his wife at the time was still recovering from a car accident. So I had the Ice Cream Militia on there. I had Chris Caracas um, from the Flats doing solo stuff, and I had um, yeah, and that was it. That was the band, and and it was a very very unique styles of music and all of them all together. And and while the attendance wasn't great. It still was good enough for me, 
and I raised 150. I took my share of the money and I donated to the uh, to Marsha O'Connor, uh, Pat O'Connor's wife, uh, for a fund that she's building in honor of her, her late husband's name. That's wonderful. So, like, and I'm like, I don't put on these shows for money. I put on these shows because a I like to entertain people and b I want to do something better for the the city. So, you think about like it's such a such a precious thing the music scene like yeah. it's. I worry about oversaturation a lot of the time, like as a band, like I don't love the idea of booking even two shows in the same month, like for me, because I want to make sure that I bring a good draw to whatever venue agrees to have us play. Yeah. And, uh, I think about this summer we did Toledo music fest and we did uh, midsummer meltdown. Um, yeah. And we, we had just came off of Tropic Bombs' sold-out February show, and Ryan asked us right back on for Midsummer Meltdown. We were like, well, obviously, we're going to do that. And then mid- and then uh, Music Fest came up, and we, 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 it was like a 25-ticket minimum, that kind of thing. And we made, it, we made our quota, but I still felt like we did a disservice to ourselves by playing them so closely. Right. And I'm like, so they, they had, like, Tropic Bombs also had that planned months ahead of time. And then it's like, I don't know. I didn't really enjoy Music Fest this year. But I also had a really bad day personally. I uh, I unfortunately missed it due uh, to um, uh, my grandmother passing that weekend is um, Music Fest. Um, and I ended up not going to Music Fest due to because I just didn't want to be around people. I wanted to be by myself. Ironically, though, the next day, night I uh, joined uh, a good buddy of mine who's an independent comic writer, Dirk Manning. At a twisted show, which is a rap show. Oh yeah. So and and while that was very entertaining, I did it more to hang out with him. And um and he's like, yeah, I know you're it's troubled, but you know, why don't you come out, do something outside of your comfort zone, you know, check out some music, you know, and just have a, a good time and try to forget about the world. And it helped, and it worked. And I like doing things that are outside of my comfort zone most of the time, <laughs> willingly. Outside of my comfort zone. Let me re- rephrase that because I've, I've dealt with a lot of things at work as of late that was outside of my comfort zone and I did not like it. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Hopefully you grew in a positive way. Uh, I've learned a lot about myself, but I also learned the, the level of stress I can handle. Mm. And it's uh, a lot more than I thought it could. So, I mean, that's good in a silver lining type of way. Just good, at, just good at taking a beating, I guess. I just, yeah, yeah. unfortunately, oh, yeah. and I don't want to make it sound like because we we talked about a lot of heavy things so far in this interview, but that's fine because like that's kind of like the, the what we're dealing with right now. Whether you know, and we've discussed this, I've discussed this in past interviews and everything about the time and the place we're living in right now. But it's also nice to just discuss this with with like minded people and find out that a you're not as weird as you think you are, and b it's just kind of therapeutic. The, the talking, the interviewing process and everything is very therapeutic in a, in a sense. And uh, whoever listens to it, whether it's one person, whether it's tens of thousands of people, you know, they can hopefully get something out of it. Hopefully we touched a nerve in a sense that can help someone, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So you, you're working on more music. You're going to be working on more uh, stuff outside of the Great Atelier area. But what's uh, what else, just you know, either personally, music-related or not, you really want to shoot for? And you know, when it, with the new year coming in, you know, new year, new me, as 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 some people say. You know, what's something you would like to try to do yourself for the new year? Uh, for me, um, get uh, getting to 
a better place in life is where I, where I've always been trying to be, and and right now things are going well with the music scene, yeah. which is a big part of my life. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure everyone's life here. So, um, the, the the thriving music scene is going well now, and um, especially in Toledo, and it's just it's 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 exciting to see what shows will be booked for the year, and um, and what other things we might be able to accomplish this year. I mean, with a CD coming out. Everything's really like uncertain right now, you know. Right. We don't really know what what the next step really is because we've kind of built up for this. For actually, we started the recording process around. It was probably about this cold last year when we started like trying to record. <laughs> you know, like oh my god, we started trying oh to record something. But I mean, no, we. I'm really happy with you know the way things have come along so, so far. Much so trial and error. Yeah, trial did we, and error. Did we record the drums two or three times? Oh, it's probably twice. Yeah, twice oh, that I can God. remember. You, you recorded the whole album's drums twice? Yeah, oh, man. because we couldn't decide how we wanted to do it. I think the original take we did, uh, we did MIDI drums with live cymbals, and that was... I don't have a legitimate recording space in my house. Like I have a, a very like a, a finished basement, like half finished. Right. And like the logistics of making sure the kit sounds great yeah. and like a quality set of cymbals that aren't all cracked and recording space, the microphones to do it, the knowledge to do it, you know, affluently. Uh, it wasn't worth it for us. But I I did invest in an electronic kit at one point because I figured MIDI would be the way to go. At the time, I was listening to Periphery quite a bit. Love um, Periphery. Oh, oh my yeah. God. And that first album was really, like, when that came out, uh, Nisha Mansour, who's, like, he's the brainchild behind the band, Bulb, yeah. he, uh, most of that was done in his apartment, like, which is crazy. Like, he self-produced the whole thing. Uh the drums were done electronically with Superior Drummer and that whole that whole thing, and for me, like that's that's incredible. Like when you hear that album, so you're one of the guys that got me into Periphery. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. I, uh, I, it's a musician band for sure. Or like it a, really is because I saw like a video of them like talking. Oh, here's like this new bass drop that we invented, or this guitar drop we invented, yeah. and I'm watching it. And I'm like, you're speaking French to me, but this is kind of like infatuating. They get into they're big on gear and like gear nerds and that whole thing, and it's a little outside of my wheel. wheel yeah, I was gonna add, Periphery is almost they're like entrepreneurs now too. Like oh yeah. Like side oh yeah. They 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 develop their own booklet, yeah. music yeah, like per, programs. Periphery is like the front for everything else they do. They're really just impressive. Yeah. I love their description. They're like a t-shirt factory or something. Like when they first came out, like, and he's got his own pedal, like. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that. Like, the, I think it's the Precision Overdrive. Yeah. So, I'd be curious. But, see, for me, I don't know. See, like, when it comes to, like, that's why I like having a guy like Pat or a guy like Steve Orser that, like, are very gear and musician-centered on, on, like, the just not, no, like, I'm on it at the sense of, like, I want to talk about the people and I like listening to music. They're like, we like music because this is how you built it from the ground up. So, like, I like seeing the pyramid. They know how to build the pyramid. And I'm somewhere in the middle of both of those yes. things. Because I wouldn't call myself an expert in most things. So, but yeah. I will say, I will say Pat is very intelligent when it comes to a lot of the, a lot of the stuff. So, I, I, I can't thank him enough for, for helping jump on with something like this. I'm blushing. 
I really do. And um, uh, I I got nothing else to to talk about. Um, I'm very excited for your guys' stuff. Of course, Big Dreams will be out uh, very soon. By the time you listen to it, it'll be out on all the streaming networks. It'll be the CD. Um, uh, Once again, drop uh, the date of the show. Uh, The show itself is going to be at Frankie's Inner City, November 25th. And we are really looking forward to playing that bill. Uh, Be there. If we want to get in touch with Dream Repair, how do we do so? You can contact us. Uh, The best bet would be through Facebook. There you'll find our online store where you can purchase the album, tickets to the show. We also have bundles available to give you a deal. Like, say, if you wanted several pieces of merchandise to help feed the corporate machine. Um, Nom, nom, nom. So, uh, so if you go to our Facebook page, dream.repair, you'll be able to find just about everything you need there, including updates. Uh, sometimes we post memes, so that's... <laughs> memes that's, are good. Memes are fun. Memes are fun. Memes are D- life. Dank, dank memes. Yeah, dankness. Dankness. So. Uh, of course, uh, uh, I can't speak too much for about Pat, but Pat uh, and his band Ghost Native are about to be uh, heading out on a small run of shows uh, towards the end of November into December. So if you want to go check that out, go check out their information. Uh, follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash peepon on the radio. Follow this podcast, uh, facebook.com slash on the radar PC. Go ahead and buy yourself a pin of my cartoon mug uh, and help support the podcast and also help build the fund that will be donated back to the arts uh, com. links are also on Facebook and whatnot. and uh, once again thank you so much for tuning in subscribe through iTunes, podbean.com and wherever else uh, Android gets their podcast from I don't know where that is, I'm an Apple guy so whatever but hey I'm sure it's great as well. So thanks so much for joining us for another great episode of the On the Radar podcast.